Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to welcome back Goddess Maya. Now, of course, you guys have never seen her before, or at least on my program, but we've done another interview that I, like a knucklehead, forgot to hit record. And I gotta just tell you, we have this amazing, heartwarming, empowering, borderline shocking conversation. And wow, but that said, I'm almost grateful that I got to just have it with you, Maya, because, or goddess Maya, because I got to know you better and I got to see your heart. I got to see what you're about and on a level that I wasn't expecting. I left with so many surprises. Like as soon as the broadcast was over, I ran upstairs, told my wife, oh my gosh, I just had this amazing conversation that did not hit record. <laughs> So, Goddess Maya, welcome back, but I would like to properly introduce you to my audience, a very diverse group of humans that all walks of life, all faiths, all religions, all culturals, nationalities, I can't even talk today, all sexualities. This is a blend of misfits for good people that are looking to turn their life around, already have in the process. It is a mix of everything. You are safe here, you are welcome here. And I can already tell you from our other conversation, the audience is gonna love you. So thank you for coming back. Thank you for gracing me with that opportunity. But before we get into all the fun, again, what are you grateful for today and why? Thank you so much, first of all, for having me here, Joshua. This is just an honor. I am grateful for the opportunity that I am here this far and am able to learn the lessons. Just I'm grateful for the fact that I I understand what it means to be silent and still and that God has given me a given me an opportunity and a platform just to express myself that I know that this world is just a minute and there's other world. I'm just, I'm grateful for all of these things because it really does spill out into my life. And I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to verbalize my gratitude, but I'm just, I'm grateful every morning on a higher level, just because I know that things are not as they seem and there's more and there's hope. That's it. I'm grateful for hope. I love this about you because your previous gratitude answer was also awesome. And that was a very authentic one as well. And the very first thing that came to mind when you were sharing that, there's a book, I think it was a National Geographic that put it out, but there was a Harvard study that was done and they went through and they followed white men, followed white women, followed black men, black women. And they went through every culture, men, women, and they did this study to, to show what their life is and what the statistic odds of their success. And, and they factored in everything, how society perceives you, how they really, it was a very thorough study. And I can't remember it because it's been about eight or nine years since I read the book. But one of the things that I saw that was actually kind of shocking to me, because I know that women have a whole different fight than men altogether. But then you factor in race, and then there's a whole other animal, so to speak, that you have to deal with in the sense of there's obstacles, there's judgment, there's racism, and so on. But the thing that surprised me the most out of the study, because I always hear about African-American men and growing up in Oklahoma and just in seeing racism firsthand and hearing it, I, I've been very sensitive to this stuff in my life. But for me, I always just, I'm attracted to people that are different than me. I'm drawn to them because I'm interested in wanting to learn about them. But the thing that surprised me, I know it was three times, was that African-American or Black women or colored women, however, I don't even know what the freaking right thing to say is, but my heart is sincere with this, is that I just look at you as a human being. But African-American women are dealt with the hardest hand in society. And that I just, all of the list of reasons why, it's never left me. And it's never, that, that it's never escaped me. And it's given me a whole different level of appreciation for African-American women. And I'm not saying that just because you're my guest today, but that's literally what your gratitude reminded me of because the joy that radiates out of you when you speak and then just what you shared with me on the last broadcast that we did about some of the things that you hear in your profession when people don't know 
your identity. That's what it reminded me of. And I just, I really love your heart. And I said all of that just to say that. So I want to ask you, when I just told you that, what is the very first thing that comes to mind? Please, let's make this another show. <laughs> because that's a whole that is a whole show in and of itself and no and not a show where it's dealt with complaining but definitely a show where i can share as a black woman who who is living in this world in in america and the things that i hear and that i and there are differences even that i have racial. I experienced different things within my race, within the Black female culture. For instance, some of the hair care products and things like that. I took my daughter, who is biracial, I took her to the hair salon yesterday. And the hair, the a bulk of the hair salons that are there, they're used to putting chemicals in the hair and we're natural hair. Yes. And so the woman who was working on her hair was just like, this is just, and she panicked. And I, so I had to bring my daughter home. I had to console her. My daughter's 10. And just to make her feel well, because I just kept saying, you have beautiful hair. So just, I don't want you to feel like you need to cut it. I don't want you to feel anything. So that was just an example yesterday, but that, so that's what I'm saying, just to be who I am and I'm grateful for the skin. I love my skin color. I love that, that the spirit or my spirit chose this encasing to experience this life with. And I'm understanding that there's limitations and hurdles that I have to overcome. And I'm even used as an example to enlighten people. And at times that's difficult because sometimes I just want to go. I can't believe you just said that right now, you know, and, but because I know that, see, I don't have my tissues. I'm going to start crying because I know that I was gifted with a way to say things where it's understood on an empathetic, on a heart to heart level. I see that as not only a skill, but a gift. And I hone that gift and I take care of that gift and I use it to the best of my ability on whatever platforms. Now, mind you, I have to make sure I am in the right mind frame because the flip side of that is that I could also hurt feelings if I'm not careful with that power. So I have to watch that sentiment. But as a Black woman who is on these the phone lines and I'm speaking to my clients where they are predominantly Caucasian men and they have no idea who with whom they're speaking with. They're calling in and they're looking at what they think is me. The old bait and, and switch. I'm sorry? I said the old bait and switch. Yes. The old, the a, there's a different environment. I know. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're a prostitute. <laughs> no, exactly. No, but some of the levels of the conversation, like sometimes yeah. it's counseling, sometimes it's role playing, sometimes it's, you know, it's helping them through, sometimes it's listening to confessions, sometimes it is just a, just making it to where they have a platform to where they can really share freely. And like I said, they are predominantly Caucasian men. I, the ones who are cultured, who are cultured men. And I mean that in the sense of brown skin, because I, they make it clear their ethnicity, if they're Indian, as far as Asian, if they are black men, if they are Spanish speaking men, they make it clear that is another whole level. That's a whole other talk show as well, too, because from there, again, they're looking at this picture and they think that I am a Caucasian woman and they want me to insult them. And this is what goes on. And I don't know why I like this, but I want for you to insult me. And I think that you are just wonderful. And that, and so we explore that as well too. So I hear many things, but for today <laughs> with our conversation, I don't know if you want to lead it back to that, but because I'm open either any way you want to. I these conversations. I just let them go where they want to go. Oh, okay. 
I'm yes. not planned for one broadcast ever, and I hated the experience so much. One day I'll have producers and all that stuff that can beat me stuff, but I just like this. I like getting- Yeah, it's just flip. natural. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, why this show is called A Conversation, because I just like having conversations. Yes. I appreciate that answer. I want to ask you something that, the other thing that came to mind when you were sharing that, it's obvious that you're a woman of faith, and what you, that faith is specifically, it doesn't even matter. It's just that I know you have faith in God. I know you read the Bible. I know that we align with a lot of how we see the world. I can't say everything, obviously, but I mean, there's a lot of that there. But I will say that when you are a person of faith and you speak of your love of God, when you put sex right next to it, all of a sudden, all the stigmas come out. Everybody, everybody's trauma comes out. Everyone's judgment comes out everyone's fear comes out everyone's insecurities come out it's the most polarizing subject on the planet because all the world's religions and our society have very extreme views towards it and those extreme views in my opinion are the very source of much of the trauma that we have in this world because it can be confused men sexually inadequate men, sexually insecure men are dangerous men because of what happens with that. Sexually insecure women are dangerous in a different capacity. And then also the feelings that come up with judgment or insecurity or guilt around sex, that's a crippling thing. It has been proven, I've been learning a lot. I've gone down a very strange path. It all started with the Garden of Eden was in the brain to really starting to see the Bible metaphor, metaphysically and then starting to look at sacred secretion and starting to look and try to understand this sex energy. Because when I was practicing, when I was doing practicing the dark arts, and I won't go into specifics now, there was a lot of the focus was centered around sex magic. It's interesting when I try to avoid and run away from my former past self sexually after I gave my life to the Lord several years ago. And my faith has just radically changed and felt like grown since then. But I just stopped everything that I was doing. I started to just deny myself because I was literally trying to follow the line of my faith, like exact. And so I walked away from everything and I was like staying away from even the subjects of sex, the research of sex and so on. As my faith got stronger, I felt more confident about going back into the places I used to fear because I recognize that what I resist will persist. Persist. I'm never going to run from my sexuality. It is what it is. I need to be present with it. I learned to have a healthy relationship with it, but I can't have a healthy relationship with anything I'm running from. So I started looking back into this and there is something that's led me to believe with all the research that I've done is that this sex force that we have, even though I can't define it, its power or even weight it, how powerful it is, it genuinely is the most powerful force in the universe because it's the very thing that gives life. And so with that said, it does, it almost makes me wonder if this, sorry, I'm trying to find the right words here, but it almost makes me wonder if there was some type of agenda that was put into these religions to cause this mass hysteria around sex, sex is evil, sex is good, sex is this, sex is that, just to really screw with people because it's very contradictory the way that we're taught about sex. None of it is healthy. None of it seems honest. And at the same time, none of us really truly understand it either. So with hell that I just said, being a woman of God, regardless of what that really looks like and how you define it, it doesn't even need to be defined, and also being what would be categorized as a sex worker, tell me about the type of resistance that you get, the type of struggles that you deal with, maybe even with your own self, and then also what you deal with maybe from the public that finds out that you are really doing God's work doing this job that would be looked at as the devil's work. 
Wow, you gave so much in that and what you were saying. First, I'll start it off by just saying a little bit of my background in regards to in regards to sex and things of that nature. So I'm coming from a background where not only was the talk of sex and knowing your body and knowing how people view sex was just very sheltered. I was also at a young age molested by friends who would come by, friends of the family who would come by because I just didn't understand the, I didn't understand how important, I guess this, no, it's not even that stigma for how strong sex was and how it was in everyone's mind. I didn't understand that. So a simple hug wasn't anything. Or when I was younger, I used to lift my my nightgown and showed my sugar bowl. I wasn't in a place where I was thinking, oh, and sugar bowl was my belly, by the way. <laughs> I was actually... Um, did you but, see me doing the math in my head going? It's like, not, it was my sugar bowl. I'm like, you know what a sugar bowl is. <laughs> I didn't know, but now I do. <laughs> but, but, uh, Death Leopards pour some sugar on me. Yeah. <laughs> going through all, I don't know that reference. Okay. But it started with that. And then when I lost my virginity, it was to rape. And then every two years, I was raped again, different scenario, different person. And the first time I snuck out of the house, I went with my friends, saw a band play and the lead singer. And this is what I, this is what I heard. I've never been with a black woman before. And so I, or I've never been with a black girl before. Let me, whatever. And so my first time actually was with a black man. And then after that, it was with white men that, that rape, that violated rape me ironically enough, now counseling them. So that led me to a life of where collectively when I left my house and I was living out on my own, I was in the sex industry working as a stripper, exotic dancer, they were doing modeling and things of that nature. And I never did the transactional thing or anything. And I wasn't on drugs or any, it was just but you got lucky. I left. I left. And and I kept getting reminders of how women were getting killed in situations and scenarios, fantasy rooms and things like that. And so I have been in the darkest places personally. And once I started my spiritual walk, I still knew how to project that energy off to someone. I still knew how to do that, even though I could be sitting right here. I still knew how to, knew what it meant to throw energy. And I remember being shamed when I first started my walk in the congregation that I was in, and it was difficult to try to communicate with them. And so I went through a series of therapy. I took even certification courses that led to me becoming a grief recovery counselor. And it just, I could see the progress, the process. And I understood that a lot of times there were words that were said and there's power in the words. So even though sex magic isn't done with candles or stuff, there's still power in our words when we reach that orgasm and we're saying an affirmation at the same time, yeah. or we're doing things with intent. It's all on the intention. You can, there's still power in that. And so I don't tell too many people that I do this because I've learned that many people are not in touch with that side. So I can respect that. So in my everyday life, I don't advertise that I am on the phone. You don't have t-shirts? I don't, have, don't, I don't have a t-shirt. I don't have a t-shirt, but that's why I wrote the book. That's why I wrote the book that I'm doing these phone sex lines and things of that nature. And what's so ironic is that I, I know, right? I'm out in the public and I also, I teach other classes. I am involved with children's things and I have to be careful also when I use my words how sex is used because there are opportunists out there who will yeah. take my words and say, oh, and it's not like that. I personally believe that that 
it is that that level of connection and bonding with someone is so sacred. It's almost like a diamond. And what people get are cubic zirconias and glass and things of that nature. And they think that's the real thing. And once they get it in that way, or it was that, that actual diamond piece that they hold within themselves that they haven't tapped into and they're offered a piece of glass a prism a cubic zirconia and they think that's it I don't think that they understand the difference and so it's hard for them to appreciate sex appreciate the connection appreciate finding the identity because you know spirit beings there's no need for reproduction there's no need for sex so that level it's almost like a gift and because it's not treated as such it destroys people and it's it is put in a when I say perverse way I mean it's taken advantage of and again because of my faith I also believe that there is the opposite there there is evil that's out there and so because of that evil to distract us to to destroy us to to make us lose hope i believe that whole thing was that those are obstacles that we have to overcome it goes into a very complex thing but i think sex is the easiest thing to be thwarted that's the easiest thing to be taken advantage of because that really does have to do with the diamond part of a person and how they express themselves. And it's so funny you're asking me this because these are questions that I've never thought of. So I love this. When I am working with people, when I'm working with my clients, however, I have to meet them where they're at. So if they're not at a place where they want to confess, they're at a place where they're saying, there was one caller who said, I keep thinking about the time where I have past sexual trauma, but I want to call you up and I want to talk about it and masturbate to it. Is that okay? Or, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Were you going to say something? I was going to ask. That's how... I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's fine. Brought up something for me. I was going to ask you if that's you think that's a healthy way to to deal with it, but I want to share this first before you answer. Um, I was a cheater because I was a liar and I was afraid to tell people, especially growing up in Oklahoma. And I moved away and that was a good thing for me. But in Oklahoma, the church, my family, I was so ashamed and I was doing, I had to do everything in the shadows. It wasn't like I could go do it out in public. So. The only way I could go about it was this seedy way. Oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Ah! No, I hate when that happens. I so could... Masturbation to the story. Oh, thank you. I know. So I was the cheater. And, but that at the same time, a narcissist and other things. I remember this one relationship I was in. It was a long distance relationship, very convenient because couldn't go there all the time. So, hour and a half away. It gave me, it was served as a really great mass. So I was doing my other thing, all my other stuff. Well, anyway, one weekend, I went up to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where she lived. And I was on her bed and hanging out. Next thing I know, and I felt something was off. And for some reason, I just laid down on the bed and I looked under the bed. And I saw a box of condoms. And wait a second. We don't use condoms. This thing's open. What? She denied it. And then finally... She did admit it. And of course, I'm cheating on her with guys and girls. And I'm just, and sometimes I wasn't sure. I'm doing all this, but yet I'm devastated. I am wrecked in every sense of the word, which is, by the way, I understand how hip hypocritical this is, but this happens with all cheaters. I, I don't understand this phenomenon. Maybe it's ego. I don't know. So anyway, it wrecked me to the point that I didn't think I could breathe. I didn't think I could do anything. I can't imagine what it was like for the women I cheated on that found out. I can't even imagine. Because this moment was terrible for me. Anyway, I was devastated and I hated her. Like, I don't even know all the stuff that happened. But anyway, I left, went back to Oklahoma City. And I was suffering miserably because all I could think about was her being with this dude. And he was better than me and blah, 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 blah. That's all yeah. I can think in my head. Yeah. She's telling me she wants me back. She asked me to come up. So I have to go up, back up there for work. Anyway, get a hotel room. She comes over. And we have a couple of drinks and then we start having sex. And then I know something's off. And so I say the words, 
you're thinking about him right now, aren't you? And she goes, yep. And I'm thinking about him effing you in the, <laughs> and kept going in that moment, that exact moment. And I became a cuckold and became into hot wifey so much that it became an obsession. Like I wanted all of my girlfriends to cheat on me. I wanted to watch them with other people and it became an obsession. Now, when I was molested by the very first time was two guys in that same way, I went to recreate that situation. So my, my, I told you all of that to say, is that a simple, is that reframing the situation to see something horrific as positive? Or is that a way of polluting your mind and spirit by reframing something that hurts you as something good and enjoyable? I love that you asked that question. I will actually want to ask you, what do you feel with that? What do you feel the answer is? And then I'll share. Okay. It's interesting. On drugs, <laughs> it was the hottest thing ever. And I quit doing drugs. And then when I quit doing drugs, I was also quit having sex and open relationships and stuff like that. Like I walked away from all of that. Now I've come back to center where I'm not running from my sexuality. I completely own the fact that I'm sexually fluid. I have no problem with it. My wife, like she loves me. Like we have a great art. She's my best friend. We have the most amazing relationship, but I'm very comfortable also in my skin as a fluid man. And so now with my wife, I will say this. I'm very protective of her heart. We don't, we're not swinging. We're not having sex with other people, but we talk about it all the time. And it is served as this really amazing, like it's made our sex life go nuts because we verbalize it in a way that feels very real. It's that we don't actually go do it. We turned it into a foreplay situation because what I've noticed is that I'm very protective of her heart. The bot, her body and all of that, I honor her body. The thing that I'm protective and would like absolutely, I would murder someone over is taking their heart, taking, trying to take her heart. Now, of course, I know that can't happen if I'm doing my part. So physically, we haven't explored that, but we verbalize these things as a way of foreplay and to keep our sex life engaged and interesting. And you can, people can judge that all they want. That's what we do. Those are the facts. So I can't honestly tell you that I would want to be in that situation now, sober, but I do fantasize about it. I just don't believe that I could take it to that level anymore like I used to. And uh, that said, it is a fresh and ripe fantasy that I have that doesn't go away. I just don't believe I could act on it like I did before. And the key thing about it is that you were in your right mind. You were in a healthy <laughs> mind. So that's what I, that's actually what I wanted to be established. I wanted it to be heard to your viewers that healthy minds do healthy things. They think healthy things. And so they're able, they are able to see right and wrong and act on it. They're able to understand, okay, I can take this injury or whatever and make it a positive when there is still, and by the way, healing is an everyday thing. So I'm not going to say it just, it's the amount that you'd have to do. So I'll say when there are still unhealthy minds that have not confronted their healing or has not called things out as far as, for instance, for men, it's very different when there's sexual abuse, when they're younger. And I don't even mean just as a child, even in the teenage years and maybe, and being sexually abused by an older man who they may not think of in that way, if they're being groomed for it and they have that feeling that it does something doesn't feel right but then this grown man who knows how to arouse and bring circulation to his penis when he's when he's doing this oh it's normal just relax just relax and words are being spoken by the way sex magic like i'm saying under the spell 
it doesn't feel, it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be right. And all of a sudden it feels great because that orgasm comes. Now this male, because it doesn't happen with women because women are the receivers. If it's just arousing his penis and he orgasms and he's not in a receiving end, first and foremost, but ends up becoming the receiving end. And then he's, wow, this blows my mind. This feels good, but I'm not supposed to do this. Now there is a whole mentality that these men have and it, they don't call it what it was because it's not consent. They can, teenagers are, that's not the age of consent point blank under the influence of alcohol of given alcohol that's not the age of that's not consent if you're drunk when it happens I don't know if I shared this the last time but there was a oh I think I did there was a man he sounded he he was he was a grown man he was a grown man traveling for his business and this is a client of mine by the way who's taught who's speaking with me and he said that he went into a men's sauna room in the hotel that was there or something like that. And he could see that there was someone else in there. So he left and he went and he decided to take a shower and him and that person who was in the steam room were the only two people who were there. And the next thing you know, he said he heard a voice say, hey. And he turned around and it was a very large, muscular black man, which, by the way, many of the Caucasian clients that I speak to lust after these black men. And so this black man said, he want it. And so he took him by the shoulders, brought him down and just made, I'm not even going to say this, made him give him oral. And the reason why I'm not saying quotation is because one of the things that my client said was that I didn't see, I didn't see it stopping. I didn't see any other way of getting out of the situation. So I finally gave in. And then I found like, I, in, I enjoyed it. And then the man turned him around with a shampoo bottle and took him from behind and he was resistant. And then he said, I shouldn't have resisted because I enjoyed it. And as he's telling me this, I'm listening. And what that did for me as I'm listening is it triggered something within me where I'm like, does he know what, what just happened? And he's not calling it what it was. And so I had to go back. I had to take him back to his very comment. That is That's how it's done. That's how it happened with me. I, when I fell into prostitution, it was, I was at one of those masturbation porn theater booths. And of course there was no doors sitting there and I'm 19 years old, I think 20, maybe. And yeah, I wasn't 21 yet. Yeah. I wasn't, I don't think I was 21. And in there, dude comes in before I even know it. Like he didn't even ask, like he just moved my hand out of the way put his mouth on it. Next thing I know, and then money in my pocket. I'm like, what? I didn't ask for that. And he's gone. They're gone. Actually, no. He waited for me outside. And then he said, hey, I'm going to Sydney, Australia for two weeks because this is the Sydney, the timestamp it is the Sydney Olympics. That's where he was going. Okay. And he goes, but I'll be back. Here's my number. Call me in a couple of weeks. Up to see you and I'll take care of you. Needless to say, I wanted money because I was living in Boca Raton, Florida and going to South Beach every weekend. I needed money for drugs and party. And so sure enough, that became a thing. But I had I had only been raped before. I had not, I'd been to other like little brand porn theaters, but the actual physical act of someone penetrating me, like I hadn't had that happen other than being raped. And then it happened a few times. So it hurt still. It didn't like it. We're not into it. But he groomed me in such a way that he taught me how to like it. Not just like it, love it. And the sex magic that you're speaking about, yes, it's the words, it's the, it's petting, it's going to be okay. It's becoming, he's, he was much older, probably 30 years older at least. And like 
It was okay. Like acting like a dad, basically doing everything that my dad didn't do for me that I always wanted. So I'm falling in effing love in a way with this guy. And he took care of me. He did like everything in the world for me, but like it fell into it. But then he would bring other guys and sometimes they would join. And like it slowly progressed and became a thing. And then at that point, I got tired of hiding the drugs. Like I would just come over high and then didn't care anymore. But my chem sex addiction was like just growing at that point. But it was after that period is when it just took off. And then all hell broke loose. But he literally, that's what it was. It was grooming. And it was like. And I think it's I think there's something to be said for notice, noticing that sites such as Grinder, if I can just put it out there like that, yeah. but, but sites that are geared for men to meet each other, there's no charge, there's no transaction, but yet sure. sugar daddies, sugar babies, prostitutes, and I mean, that, that have to deal with women, you have to pay for it. it. And one of the things that you said was he was just like a father. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh. I didn't think about that, but you just made something make a lot of sense. Yes. Probably why so many straight men are on these apps now exploring because it's hard to get matched up on. Oh my gosh, like the tenders of the world, it's really hard to get matched up. You're usually fake profiles. People are just trying right. to have that connection and right. want to have sex. It's a lot of dude blow me. And next thing you know, you're getting gangbanged in sex swings, going to bathhouses, doing meth and all kinds of shit. That's exactly. Yes. It wasn't and apps. It was chat rooms that were for me. But yeah. Yes. Keep in mind that many of the men anyway are already watching porn. So now their eyes are open. They see what's out there. And that's why I'm saying women, if we watch the comparison is unmatched. It is men who predominantly watch these porn. Now, the women who are involved with it, unfortunately, it's for many times, many times, it's for unfortunate reasons. But the men, they're, it's really satisfaction and gratifying for them. And they, and I have clients who call me and all they want to do is stay at the point of edging many times because oh. and from their words... As soon as they release, their mind is cleared and they think about what they're doing. And now it's, and there's a sense of guilt. There's a sense, especially if they're married, if they're in a committed relationship, there's a sense of, I have more callers who are calling me who are saying, I'm pathetic. I'm pathetic. I want you to call me pathetic. And they're saying these things because the fact that I have to call and pay and just to get some type of attention. I just hear more and more people who are starving for attention. And many times it's a healthy attention from a father and a mother, because I'm going to also say that some of my clients have mentioned that their mothers are the ones who have groomed them, especially if they're single or something like that. And so now they're fantasizing over their mothers and of what they do. And they want to revert back to that time to where the mom would come into the bedroom or there's still, I still had a grown man who he and his mother, I, I forgot how old she was, but she is older and they still swap her panties he sends it back to her with with semen i'm sorry yes thank you yeah i was trying to find and i know i i don't have to i know i don't have to say but i want to make sure that you understood Um, here's the thing this is the other thing about you that's so awesome is that This is what you do, by the way, I'm going to, we're stopping the broadcast for a second. We're still broadcasting, but I'm interrupting the interview to say this. One of the things that's really amazing about you is you're breaking down the stigma of sex sex workers too, or even people that do what you actually do. You're breaking that stigma down because you're all class. You've had every opportunity in the world to say gangbang and orgy and cum and all this other stuff. And you're like, "Eh, no, I like you. 
like you truly look at this job as that you you're this career is that you're like a therapist, you're a coach, you're like you're helping. You're not there to fuel the fire of perversion. You're there in a whole different way. And that's something that has not been expressed as much or made as obvious in this conversation. But I can tell you folks, like this whole hour that we spoke before that didn't get recorded, I'm pushing her to not try, and not in a bully way, but just go, look, it's okay. We don't get censored here. We can, you can say whatever you want. And you just remained classy. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I would use that as an opportunity to say all the fun words I know. <laughs> you brought up grinder. I know all the fun words. I was into being party and play. And like, I got the terms down because I was involved in all of it. Drugs make you do some really crazy things. So Anyway, back to the call. Thank you. And some of the things that that I that you're speaking of, I only know from being with clients on the phone and speaking with them. Other than that, I was probably the most sheltered exotic dancer a person would have ever met. I was the most naive, innocent. What? Oh no! I oh, you want me to take this dime bag and this rolled up fifty? Oh, and then I would go into the bathroom and pretend to dump it down the toilet. And I say, no, that's not honest. And I'd come out and say, I can't do it. Here you go and take it back. And I was going to come out here and pretend. But and so I would always at that point, I was get I would be asked, why are you here? Why are you even here? And at that time, I was just running away from my own thing. I was trying to make sense of where I was. So it really wasn't, I was escaping, but I wasn't in a place to where I didn't want to find an answer. I still was searching even in the dark. And so for me to be able to be at this place and understood, like I understood what I wanted the most was a relationship. I wanted a relationship where I could be uninhibited with someone and have that level of connection and be that wild person and say things that I knew that would we could go. And when I say conquer the world, I mean, live and enjoy life. And, and I hear these clients, I hear mostly, like I said, men who are calling and they're telling me these things. Last night, I had a caller who he said, I am a chronic cheater. And it turns me on to know that the point of where I could get caught by my wife, that turns me on. So I want to do that. He says, I don't know if that's your thing. I did get him on the phone. And to get him to talk a little bit more because he wanted to keep talking about the arousal. He wanted to go into the masturbation aspect. I had to ask him, I said, so let me just ask you. I said, I said, do you sleep with your wife often? And he said, oh, not a lot. Every now and then. And I said, are you attracted to her? Anyone? He said, no. And I said, did she say something to you that hurt your feelings and offended you? And he said, yeah. And I said, and she has, and I said, and it stung. And from there, she used to challenge your masculinity with just little things. And he said, actually, yeah. I said, I said, I'll go along with your thing, with what you're wanting and what you want to call. But in that, you've got to promise me that you are going to at least consider, just consider going to therapy to get it out and tell her. I said, because it sounds like there's a lot of unforgiveness in your heart. What I say about little boys and man's bodies, they're dangerous. Yes. Dangerous man. And here's the thing. And it's not that it's the woman's fault. It's Mm -hmm. for not doing the work to become a man where he's not offended. But I know that offense. And I was enough, I was narcissistic enough to use that offense to weaponize it in such a way that I could get a woman to do anything I wanted, or it would be over. And at the same time, I say this going, I should have been left a long time ago, but in my mind, like they were trapped. Mm-hmm. They were peeping. They never left. I because they kept seeing the good in me. And I know it was there. But I wasn't giving them much example, many examples, except for when we first started dating. And then after I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to do, then I became really good again. And 
but they no one would ever leave. It took a lot for people to leave. And but at the same time, it was like this vicious cycle that we're both in. And it takes two unhealthy people to have that. A like attracts like. It so really does. It really does. You do. But that's that little boy thing is scary and dangerous because I know what I did when I was offended. Yeah. I read that that gave me the license to ill. That for me was the permission slip to right. go for a meth bender and bang everything I possibly could or get banged by everything I could possibly could. That was it. I was look I was almost looking to be offended. That's how and, screwed up I got. And wow. my thing was I was saying why are you not wanting to just file for divorce? And I and by the way, I'm speaking as a divorced woman. My my ex-husband did not do any of those things. Our thing when we went south was just we never met back on the intimacy level it and it just we just didn't and so I sat and he's older than me and I just said why are we here so we're best friends though we co-parent we're best friends I can talk to him about anything I talk to him about the some of my clients and because he's also alpha male and when I say alpha male I don't mean that in a unhealthy way he's just he spends time with with our daughter he goes to work and sometimes he fixes the house he doesn't do anything that will question any type of insecurity he makes sure that he talks it out so he's very healthy in that sense and he has respect for self and so it's easy to respect him there were just things that i just said I would like to be with someone who wants to be with me. And so we just went our separate ways in that sense. But having said all of that, I that's where I was coming from. Like, why don't you just divorce if it's that bad? I said, because clearly you want to be caught. But then what? I said, it may end up where you're caught and you have mad, passionate sex. At what is that what you want? He didn't really answer because that was... This what this kind of conversation was not what he was anticipating, but I said, no, I'll go along with what you're saying and we can do a little role play and all of that other stuff. But in that, I want for you to at least consider the fact that there's unforgiveness there and come to terms with yourself and understand that you're in this next room. She's in the next room sleeping. She's sleeping soundly and you're over here paying to try to get her back. Like it's costing you. It's not, I didn't say this because I have to watch how I say it, but the math ain't mathing. <laughs> the math ain't mathing. I couldn't say it like that, but I, that's too ebonic. So I had to say, <laughs> so I had to tell him, I said, it's not adding up in your favor. So you may want to consider that and you may want to think about that. And I know when I say words like this, men, these men are smart enough and it's just planting seeds and they'll think about it. And the way that I know that is sometimes I'll have them call back and they'll say, I thought about something that you've said and blah, 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 blah. And they're going into it. And it varies. I had one gentleman who he was saying that he was coming to terms with the fact that his wife was not really wanting to have sex with him anymore because all he really did was oral and she just didn't want to do that all the time. And so she was putting up her, she was finding ways to just say, no, I don't want sex. And instead of having a conversation with him, and that's another thing, these couples are not having healthy conversations, though they're in intimate ways. This is that glass cubic zirconia that I'm talking about. And the fact that you and your wife can talk and it and you share whatever you share within the confines of your marriage. I publicly. But that's what I'm saying. Like that's those are the diamonds. You found each other's diamonds and you've you're exchanging it with each other. One isn't giving a diamond where the other is giving glass or a cubic zirconia. It's matched. And so that is a level of health and one to be honored and respected. Unfortunately, there are more couples than not where 
they think they're giving a diamond, but they haven't tapped into that. And the diamond meaning their health, their gift, they understand it's not just, oh, I'm just going to please. And I just want to please this woman. And oh, well, I just like to stay down there. It's okay. If you're not able to hear what she's saying or read her body language, then something's missing there. And then, so there's that aspect, but then many times they do it because they're insecure about the size that they have. And, and one, and so this man was, he was continually talking. And so then he said, what do you think? Wouldn't you want to be with someone who has, who will want to please you orally? And I I told him the first thing that came to my mind, I said, listen, if I wanted to be pleased orally for that long, I'd be with a woman. If I'm with a man, I want to be with a man. I want to know I'm with a man. He said that that comment, he called me months later. He said, I just want to thank you very much because that comment left something in my head and I didn't realize what I was doing. But I have to tell you, when you said it, it hurt like hell to hear. I was so embarrassed and offended, but it made me think because you were telling me as a woman and it made sense. And maybe I am coming from a place where I was being insecure because I don't really know how to please a woman outside of how I describe just being a drill bit. That's it. It didn't want to take the time. And so there are times where I'm on the phone and I'm very graphic with them. But, but anyway, I probably shouldn't have went into detail because all of that is a whole other conversation. I can see that I'm even over my time. (laughs) Oh no, you're fine. I, here's the thing. You're welcome back anytime because there's a lot of, really healthy conversation. This is now the second very healthy conversation we've had about this. Maybe shocking to some, but this is real shit. Like you're talking to, I know you talk to pastors or people that are at the church. Right. Really depressed, angry, anxious, confused people out there because they don't have a safe place to talk about their sexuality. And when you don't have a safe place to do that, you go into the shadows. And when you go into the shadows, we get very unpredictable there. And what your behavior will be, you're like, I'm under the cover of the shadows so that I may try this. Everything in the shadows is meant to come to light. But let me tell you all this to the audience here. I live that life of sneaking around in the shadow worlds and all of that stuff. And because I wanted something that I was too afraid to say that I wanted, I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't secure enough. I wasn't even sure of what I really wanted. But I didn't know who I was because I wasn't willing to be honest with myself. And here's the thing. You can get honest with yourself. And in getting honest with yourself, it may change. You may change how you feel about what you're being honest with. But you'll never know until you at least try to be honest. And you take being honest and you walk that out for a little bit. You can get what you want. You can have the desires of your heart. You can have the woman that will lick your butt or stick a finger there or whatever you're into, punch you in the nose. If that turns you on, if that's your thing, if you can just be honest about it, odds are you're going to get it. It may not be with every woman that you think you're going to get it with or guy, whatever you're into. But the fact is truth gets you what you want. It, and if you can't be honest with your spouse, you have no business being together because the one place, this, and I can't stress this enough. I got a whole book about how big of a liar I was, and I want you to promote your book too, but how bad of a liar I was and the destruction that I caused. I can tell you right now that I'm living the life of my dreams because I was honest and I'm still honest. And I just tell the truth. I tell the truth of my wife. We've established these boundaries around the truth and it works and it's healthy. And another thing, men, if you want your wife to do that freaky thing, I'm sure guest here can it will can co- can comment very well on this. If you fill up your partner's love tank, there's a good chance. In fact, better odds than you'll ever get in Vegas by 10. If you fill up your wife's love tank or your partner's love tank, there's a good chance you're going to get to do that thing you want because it's wired in a woman's DNA when she's with a man to take care of her man, to please her man. And if exactly. you are She's going to, I'm telling you, she's, she's going to be a lot more receptive to your crazy ass ideas and things that you want to try. But another thing, men, you also got to love your wife enough to give her the same respect to tell you the truth about what she wants too. And she may hurt your feelings with her truth. 
She may tell you that you're eating her vagina wrong. You may, she may tell you that she doesn't like the wham, bam, thank you, man. Maybe she wants you to finesse. Maybe she wants to be romanticized, whatever. But you got to be open and receptive to that coaching too. Communication's a two-way street. But I'm telling you, if you can do it honestly, your whole life will change. Done preaching. No, that's perfect. Thank you. I'm glad that you said that because even men who claim that they want to have a female-led relationship and they want to be beta, there is power when they speak their truth. Right. If that's where they are. And, and if they're not facing that truth and they don't say it confidently, it's they, you're right. They don't get they want what they want and they end up spending money on phone sex lines or marrying the wrong person. Or if they do want to explore any other aspect of their sexuality, these men, many of them tend to marry who they feel society would deem as normal because they want to explore and they, and by their own words, they call these women that they chose vanilla. And the reason that they marry them, because I, I also ask, why did you marry her? If you, we got along really great and she's pretty. And those are the top two answers. We got along really great and she's pretty. And I'm like, okay, so how's your sex life? We have it every now and then, but I want to do more and she's not into it. We don't talk about it. She came from a good Christian background. And as they're describing this, it makes themselves freakier than, by the way, seriously, exactly. <laughs> and I have to remind them that number one, if they're watching porn, they have more ideas and scenarios set in their head than we as women who are the receivers than we do. And then they do. And in essence, I turned it around and I said, so actually you're grooming her. If you keep having sex, vanilla, that's how you're grooming her. So how you're having sex is really based on what you're presenting. And they'll say, oh, but I try to do whatever. I said, sometimes you have to think. Larry Flint cannot sell his things to the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> you have to think if you're a woman, if you know you married a woman who is into the aesthetics. And it's so funny when I say Hallmark Channel, they say, oh my gosh, they do watch the Hallmark channel. And, and I said, okay, there is sappy. It's, it, it has to do with the aesthetics. There's romance. There's foreplay way before going into the bedroom. I yeah. said way before anything happens. So you've got to start from that and work with their minds that Hustler and Larry Flint just doesn't do. It's sending, and that's another thing too, just sending pictures of your penis. That's not going to turn any woman on. It doesn't work. It works for guys, though. Exactly. Exactly. Different for like women. Exactly. And out of your head. Go into all of that with their dating pictures, with holding up the fish. I'm Pisces. How am I? I look at that, and I'm looking like, why is it? Why are these guys doing that? Are they trying to say they will provide for me? Are they? Now I know they're doing <laughs> anyway, or they're trying to catch me. So, they're, they're, so it's. Really to be, it really should be taking into account that our communication levels are different and there needs to be a respect for that and an environment for that. And yes. many of my callers do not create an environment. They're intimidated because they don't know what she's going to say. And I say, okay, what's the worst that she could say? What is the worst? She may never. And I say, okay, but you have to understand you've been thinking about this for a while. That's right. So the time to have a conversation like that is not during when you're in an argument or when you're getting ready to have sex. You may want to have it over a bowl of cereal or take her out, drink wine, tell her to dress up and just have that conversation where she at least looks good and she can hear you. She can hear you with the dynamics of what you're saying. So it's presentation is everything. And so anyway, yeah. Thank you. You're okay. You're welcome back anytime. Yeah. Just, I love you. I think you're fantastic. Thank you. You're think, amazing. Thank you. I love you. Next time, my wife is going to actually do the broadcast with us. She was a, she was going to come down today. Uh huh. Got a cold and she didn't want to be disruptive. But next time, she'll be back. She'll be on. I'm so grateful for you. Thank I, you. About. I love the fact. Oh, by the way, audience, she is proof why you should be kind to sex workers and not judge them. Because some of them are doing God's work. Whether you can judge it all you want, but the fact is, 
that maybe some of them are truly doing God's work. Be nice to people, be kind to people. And if you're religious and you're wanting to judge, remember, you're there to represent the love of God. So how you treat people matters, including sex workers, including people that do things that you may not agree with. Just understand that if it wasn't someone like her there, it could be someone else that could be taking them down a much darker path. So it's a two-way street. No one should be blaming or pointing the fingers at anybody. But the fact is we need to be creating a safe environment for people to speak the truth, whatever that truth is. And I'm not just talking about sex issues. We can talk about religion. We can talk about anything. We gotta have healthy conversations about racism and discrimination and redlining and gentrification. Like we need to have these conversations and quit sweeping it under the pile or quit just trying to cover it up with different stuff. Like just have these conversations so we can start to heal. And as we start to heal, we'll start to realize, you know what? I don't need to be like anyone else but myself. Right. But at the same time, I can also celebrate the fact that you're different than me. In fact, I want you to be different than me. So now we can learn from each other. Yes. Now we can vibe and have fun. That's for me, that's what life is all about. So it's people like yourself that I love and will welcome back here anytime. Please plug how people can find you, support you, your book etc. Floor is yours. Yes. Thank you. The whole reason why I'm here, I have an ebook out that's called Things He Confesses About You to Phone Sex Operators, Signs and Signals to Detect What He Really Thinks of Your Sex Life. And the demographic for this is primarily wives of these men. And it's very surprising. It's very educational. I do have medical links and things in the back of the book for you to be able to find my resources. You can find it on Amazon. It is on Amazon and you can either look up Goddess Mermaid Maya or Things He Confesses and it should pop right up. It's the picture of the boxer shorts with that symbol. But I, I really do hope that my hope for it is that it enlightens people. It opens up the lines of communication and just going by what you said, your listeners they don't have to judge a book by its cover because they don't know. And I say that literally, figuratively speaking, if I were walking down the street, you would never know that I have this type of work because I also do other things. But my passion is to really help empower people and provide a type of hope for people, whomever they are, to find their own power. Because I do believe that once they tap into that own gift, their own diamond, that they, that's where the hope begins and that's where healing begins. And they start to find their real self and find their real voice. And I am so passionate about that. And that's another thing that I'm grateful for that I am made like that in the skin that I'm in to even put it out there that much more, because if I were any other person, it would probably, it, it would be, it would just feel different. I know, obviously. <laughs> Know what you mean? I, I personally, I wouldn't recommend men read the book too, because this can serve as a mirror for yes. your own life. And sometimes I, I, and the reason I read a lot of books when I was trying to figure things out, like I needed the mirror. So I needed to hear from a woman's perspective or so I, man, I recommend you check out this book, especially if you're having struggling with the truth. I recommend you check this out because it could be a game changer. I'm telling you right and now. Do you mind if I, Okay. Do you mind if I say how it's written? The way that it's written actually are examples of callers who have called in different categories. When he says he wants to see you, he when he says he wants you to cuck him. And then I have three examples, three conversations of callers who have said it. And then my take on it. And then there's a, a medical review or resource to support what I'm saying and things of that nature. When he says he wants to see you with a BBC, when he says he wants to see you with a, when he says he wants to see you with a BBC, but really you're not there. Yeah. You know, it, it's different things. So there's different categories of callers who are there and, and, and it's their actual quote, my take on it. 
And then towards the end, like I said, there's the link for the medical reviews, the resources, and things of that nature to support some of the things that I am advising. And then it's made to where women understand you don't, this, even though I completed it on Easter of last year, it's not made to anger you, though it may, it's made to make understand that many of these men haven't come to terms with themselves. They're not even at a place where they're calling their first experience sexual abuse or rape. And so they're operating at another place. And so there's a psychological thing that's going. And if you choose to be a part of it, you can open up the lines of conversation and you can tell him, or if you just want to go your separate ways, you can do that as well, too. It's literally just giving respect to both parties that each person is on their own journey in this world and to respect that journey. And you can't force them, no matter how many wedding rings you have on, you can't force them to honor it because, and that goes for both sides, because they're going, this is their journey, but you have your own journey. So that is, so it's written with respect of that. And it's very, it is dark in the conversations that it says, but it's made to give hope and really touch on the things that people don't normally talk about. That's beautiful. I, that's great. I'm actually glad that you shared that. You're welcome back anytime. Thank, Thank you. For you. God bless you. And I'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.